The wife of Uriah, the Hittite, David, your mighty man, your his wife. What are you What are you doing, David? He's out serving, and what, what are you doing, calling her in? So then, verse four, it says, "Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her her house." Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. At this moment, David agreed with the world's understanding of the purpose of sex, seeing it primarily as a pursuit of a pleasurable experience. With his many wives, David may have never really understood God's purpose for sex to be the cement that helps bond together a one-flesh relationship. David did something harmful and destructive to himself and others. Just because David wasn't caught at the moment doesn't mean that he got away with anything. There are always consequences to our sin. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Last week we looked at 2 Samuel chapter 10 and we began chapter 11. Chapter 11 and 12 are are very difficult chapters. Um, They're pivotal chapters in the life of David and for the the people of Israel. Uh, Because we find that David is in a a really peculiar place. If you remember, God had, you know, for close to 10 years, David was on the run from Saul. And David, remember, had that moment... That, that period of time before he became king, while Saul was still alive, while he was still being hunted by Saul, where he just kind of lost his bearings. There was a time when we just, it was like, is this the same David that we knew in the Bible? Is this the same David that we read about in chapter 7 of, you know, or uh, 16 and 17 of 1 Samuel? Is it the same one who slew Goliath, this one, who's now running for his life? And not only that, but making. Uh, an alliance with the Philistines? Is this the same David? And then we know that he gets beyond that, and certainly that was a moment in his life. I think it was probably the lowest moment of his life. And we're getting to this other section here in, in chapter 11 and 12 of Second Samuel that I believe is really the second lowest time in David's life. And and I love how honest the Bible is. It doesn't candy coat anything. It doesn't take the characters of the Bible and put them only in a good light. It makes sure that we see everything. And and see, that's the way God is with us. He, he, he knows that we are sin. <laughs> We're sinful creatures. We're sinful human beings. 
He knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. And he doesn't take his heroes of the faith, someone like David, who is a hero, no doubt, of the faith. He doesn't scrub under the rug David's shortcomings, David's sin. And do you realize that David right now, in spite of the things we're going to read tonight, story uh, not, not a story, but an event, events that we know very well, that we've heard over and over again, But David right now is in heaven. He's in heaven. He's not in hell. He's certainly not in purgatory. David is in heaven. And guess what the Bible tells us in Ezekiel? It tells us that in the millennial reign of Christ, right? So think of the timeline really quick. Here's the church age. Pretty soon we're going to be raptured out of here, the Bible tells us. And then a period of seven years of great tribulation, we're with the church is with Christ in glory, and then we come back with him at the end of that seven-year period in what we know as the second coming of Christ, ending the tribulation period, and then he begins his millennial reign after some battles and other unseasonable things. But he ultimately has a, millennia, a thousand-year reign with us in our new bodies. Are you looking forward to the upgrade? You won't have to pay for it. You won't have to have it charged on your credit card every month. This is a subscription that lasts forever, right? And so we're going to be in our new bodies, ruling and reigning, serving Christ in the millennium. And guess who's going to be there? Guess who is going to be resurrected, we believe, at the beginning of that millennial kingdom? The Old Testament saints, in addition to the tribulation saints. But the Old Testament saints, and and Ezekiel tells us specifically that David is going to be resurrected in the millennial reign. And he's going to have a place in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem that we see today. The Jerusalem over in the Middle East, that Jerusalem. Jesus is coming back with us, and David will be there, and he will be in a pretty official capacity. And would you think that God would do all of that for him and use him in that way after what we read tonight? You might think, well, God made a mistake. Well, he didn't. Here's the the good news, folks, and I think this is something that's really important for us to understand, is that David was a sinner just like you and I. A man of like passions. Men especially, you can relate to David. Many of us can relate at some semblance of David's life. But ladies, you, can, you could probably relate to him as well. You know, but David and God, when, when God sees us fail, the, the, the major changing point for David was that he was repentant. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when a man or a woman of God falls into a sin and they truly repent, their heart is broken, they're busted, they ask for forgiveness, God forgives them, right? Because that's what 1 John 1, verse 8 through 10 tell us, that there's a promise there. That if we confess, he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's good news for us because, guess what? That promise is true for us today as it was for David nearly a thousand, or uh, actually now uh, almost 3,000 years ago. And that means no matter what sin you've done. Have you done something really crazy that if, if we were to know about it tonight, that all of us would run screaming mad out of the sanctuary and you'd be left alone? Have you done something so bad that you would think that even the angels would, would say, sorry, you can't, you can't come in, sorry, you don't have the right ticket, you don't have the stamp you know, the dove stamp on your, on your hand. No, there's nothing like that. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
And when we look tonight, we see that David did some pretty awful things. Not only did he commit adultery, but then he murdered as well and tried to cover it up for about a year. And Psalm 51 tells us that he, inside of his heart and and his very bones were just aching because he was just riddled with this guilt and it was destroying him on on the inside. And God loved David so much that he sent a very good man named Nathan to come and to tell David, and to basically bring it out into the light. Have you ever noticed any, any kind of, you know, uh, there are some people who get boils and, and things, and sometimes when you get a boil, the, the healthiest thing sometimes that can be done is you, it get, gets lanced so that the impurities can come out and then you can begin to heal. Or, or, or like a cancer, you know, it, it needs to be healed. But something that is like a, a, like a boil or a, or a blister or something like that, it needs to be lanced so that it can heal. And God loved David so much, and he saw him going through so much turmoil. Can you imagine the heart of God And during that time as David is just reeling inside with the guilt, knowing that it's just a matter of time before he gets found out? And God says, you know what, David, I love you enough to not let you go through this misery anymore. And because you're not coming clean with it, I have to expose you. And God did. And that was the beginning of David's healing. The beginning. And the same is true for us. If there's something in your life tonight that you're hiding, you can't hide it from him, right? What does the psalmist say in Psalm 139? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There's nowhere you can go. You can't hide from him. We can hide from one another. You can hide from your spouse really well because they don't have, they're not omniscient, they're not omnipotent, and they're certainly not omnipresent. There's only one who is, and he knows everything. So don't try to fool him and think that you can get away with it. God knows, and it's important for us to confess our sin and be done with whatever it is. Whatever you've got that's been plaguing your life, be done with it tonight. Make, make a point of it. Let, let tonight be the, the beginning, like for David here. Because God only wants for you to be blessed. I mean, he wants to encourage you. He doesn't want to destroy you. But we have to come to terms with these things. And so adultery and sexual sin, which is really the elephant in the room tonight as we look at these chapters, um, you know, it's a problem outside of the church. It's a very big problem outside of the church. And even in the church, it's just, it's almost as bad in the church. And we've all been around long enough to hear of pastors and other church leaders throughout you know, the decades that have fallen into these kinds of things. And I would encourage you to pray for pastors and teachers, anybody in, in, in leadership in the church, whether it's a worship leader, a Sunday school teacher, it doesn't matter. Be in prayer for those people because the devil wants to make a fool out of them as quickly as possible. He wants to tarnish their their witness. He wants to destroy them because if he can grab one and shake that tree, he can, he can hurt a lot of people. And, and I've, I've seen things like that happen. And you have too. And so it's important. Uh, this topic is especially important. It's an uncomfortable one, but it's, it's, it's been the, the ruin of many people, many relationships, many marriages, many families are destroyed. And we're going to see that David's family was pretty much messed up. It was very, uh, it was hurt very badly. Some would say very dysfunctional. Um, as we as we get into Second Samuel uh, after this chapter and going into chapter thirteen, especially, we're going to see the breakdown of his own family, and it's going to be a result of, and the consequence of his sin. And God told him that that would happen. 
And so it behooves us to come to face to face with this and to deal with it. And that's why, again, can I just say that it's one of the blessings of line-upon-line teaching. One of the reasons we go line-upon-line, book-by-book, chapter-by-chapter, is for this very reason. Because many people, many pastors, will get to a chapter like this, and just because it will make people feel uncomfortable, they'll go, ah, what's next? (laughs) And they go on. They don't like to teach on it. Who does? But the thing is, it's there, isn't it? And we have to deal with these things. And as we go through the Bible in its totality, we're going to get all kinds of things, and we're going to read all kinds of things. We're going to be confronted with everything that you can possibly imagine. We're going to learn about who we are and who we are not. We're going to learn about who God is and who he isn't, and how he deals with sin, and, how, and, and most importantly, his love and his grace and his forgiveness. It's so important to grasp that today because so many people are walking around wounded. They got heavy. They're, they're, they got this heavy guilt on them. And they're thinking about things of the past that they've never asked God to forgive them. And even if they did ask God to forgive them, they're thinking, he can't forgive that because it's too heinous, it's too big, it's too ugly, I've hurt too many people, God can't forgive that. Well, guess what? Those are the things that he loves to forgive. Those are the things that the Lord loves to throw into the sea of forgetfulness, the Bible tells us. Into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, they never meet. If you keep going east on the equator, you're going to continue going east. You're going to be going around in circles like a dog chasing its tail, but you're never going to go west. You're going to be always going east. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has forgiven you? And that that, that is the the fact. And see, you and I, if if I was David tonight, I would be, and, and I think David was, David had a wonderful relationship with the Lord that when he did fall, he cracked like an egg. He cracked and he repented. And even though things were going to be catching up to him, even though there were still going to be consequences to his sin, David had this wonderful understanding of God's grace. And he knew that God forgave him. He knew that God loved him, even after all these horrible things that we're going to be looking at this evening. And, and, and next week as well, probably. So it's important Take it to heart. Take it to heart what we're reading tonight. And, you know, the song that we sang tonight, I thought was really um, good. You know, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks uh, to seek your face, O God of Jacob. You know, and it talks about our relationship with God. And do you know, know, oh God, let us be, um, what was it? Um, Let us not lift our hearts to another. As we speak to God, let us not lift our hearts our lives to another. And what does that speak of? It speaks of spiritual adultery, doesn't it? Because there, uh, there's a spiritual adultery, which uh, the, the children of Israel were guilty of, and many of us were guilty of. And there's physical adultery. There's adultery in the mind. And so we have to take a look at these. Let's pick up in in chapter 11. We're going to read through just the first three verses. That's about as far as we got. And then we'll continue onward and we'll just see how far we get tonight. But this is a, um, again, just a really moving chapter, especially when we get into chapter 12. I, I I just love the Lord and how he dealt with David. He's just so kind. Never forget the kindness of God. As kind as he's been to us when we have fallen, when we sin. Remember to be kind to others. Remember to be kind to others. The Lord doesn't need Pharisees. He wants children of God who understand 
and people like us to love people and to encourage them and not beat them, browbeat them or make them feel guilty. Believe me, they're probably feeling guilty enough. They don't need us. I am not the Holy Spirit, neither are you. But there is one Holy Spirit, and he does a good enough job all by himself. Wouldn't you agree? So, but let's look at the verse 1 there. Notice it says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. And they go out in spring because that's when the weather's nice. You don't go out to battle in the middle of February in Rochester. You better be dressed warm, and you better make sure you have proper food, and you better make sure your snowmobile with your chariot um, attached to it has uh, plenty of gasoline, and you got uh, those little hand warmers. And, you know, they don't do that. They go out when it's warm, when it's nice. When the time of kings to go out to battle, notice that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Remember, Rabbah is this, uh, the Ammonites' uh, capital city. It's about 20 to, uh, actually, I think it's about 40 miles. Uh, I forget, like 22 miles, it doesn't matter. On the east of the Jordan River, and it's the capital city. Today we know it as Amman, Jordan. That's the same exact city where this happened. Uh, it was formerly called Rabbah. But notice, Joab and the army go against it, but David remained at Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening, verse 2, that David was restless, <laughs> obviously, that he, he rose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, from his roof being elevated above all the other roofs, because it's the king's palace, and notice this, that the king had all of his mighty men living around him in the houses next to him. All around him, they would surround the king. Very typical thing to do. And guess what? All of his mighty men are out in battle, including Uriah, but his wife is at home. And certainly Bathsheba knows that David is not out in battle. He's home. So keep that in the back of your mind. So David is up there, and he saw a woman bathing, that he saw her. And it's just not, it's just not a glance. He, he examined her. You know what I'm talking about, guys. It's not just a glance. It's a, a little more of a stare. It's kind of creepy for a woman to, to feel that, but that's what it was. That's what David was. At that moment, he was taken by her. He saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And so David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David, do you know what you're doing? And I'm surprised that his servants, evidently, they were close-lipped about this, evidently, this event, it seems, until he was exposed and they probably had to be because of their position with David. Is not this the daughter of Eliam? Isn't this the granddaughter of Ahithophel? You'll hear his name in a little while. The wife of Uriah, the Hittite. David, your mighty man, your, his wife. What are, you, what are you doing, David? He's out serving, and what, what are you doing calling her in? So then verse 4, it says, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her, her house. Now one thing we have to read is when you read the Bible, read it very carefully. Read what's there and read what's not there. We, this is not a rape. David did not um, rape her. Um, this seems to be a consensual thing, even though David initiated this, uh, this uh, event. 
Uh, it's very possible, and again, the, the Bible's kind of silent about Bathsheba here, but you have to wonder about a couple things, and again, not to demonize her but in any means, but think about it. She knows that David is still in the palace. Her husband, everybody else. And then, by the way, they've been in this siege against Rabbah for a couple years. Okay, so the army and Joab and everyone's gone for an extended periods of time, months at a time. And so here Bathsheba is, and maybe she finds David attractive. Maybe deep in her heart. We don't really know. The Bible doesn't say. We've got to be careful here. But is it possible that in her heart she was thinking, you know, he's such a really wonderful man. He's a great man. and I'd love to be a part of his, you know, one of his wives. I mean, we don't really know that. But did she, did she find him attractive? That's all I want to say. Did she? And why is it? that she's up on the top of her house, knowing that David's house is above, and she's up on the top with no veil, there's nothing keeping her, and she's bathing herself, and and he can see her very clearly. There seems to be no... She wasn't careful. She wasn't being discreet about it. And again, I'm not saying that she was... um, a harlot or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but she was careless. She was careless. And ladies, just to encourage you, we we started, we ended with this last week, but be be careful how how you dress. Guys, be careful how you do it as well. But ladies, be careful in the summertime and the things that you wear. Because you may not know it, but the things you wear can entice a man. And, and, it, and it's, uh, there's a responsibility, I believe, for men and women to dress and be careful, not to stumble. At, you know, now, people in the world, men and women, they, they, they really don't follow that at all. They could care less. It's just, you know, it's crazy. It's madness. So there's no being careful about anything. And it creates problems. It creates problems. Ladies, I mean, I think every woman likes to be looked at. There are women who like to be looked at. Some women don't want to be looked at, but other women want to be looked at. And I would imagine that it would kind of boost your ego, make you feel good about yourself, and, you know, and, I, and, I, and I totally get it. And men do the same thing. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful, especially as a Christian woman, as a Christian man. Let's... Think of modesty once again. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the majority, the vast majority, if not most of the women, all the women in our fellowship are, are that way. They're, they're very modest in their apparel, and I'm really glad for that. And it's important to really consider those things because we don't want to stumble anybody. Single ladies, you, you don't want to stumble anybody. Single men, you don't want to stumble anybody. So let's just, you know, we have to be careful about these things because that's the world we live in, is it not? I mean, th- these are the things. This is the elephant in the room, and we have to examine it and look at it. But here they, they go. Uh, they committed uh, adultery. She came to him, or he sent for her, and she came over. And, and, and the slippery slope of sin is like this. I think James uh, summed it up pretty well in the first chapter of his epistle. The Lord's half-brother said this in verse 13 of chapter 1. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.